Greetings and salutations. Welcome to Sorry, That's My Inside Voice. I'm your host, Kat Garcia, and in this episode, I'm sitting down to chat with my friend, Samantha Nolan White, about grief and how it is not something that we talk about enough. So sit back and get ready for some dark humor and a lot of laughter. And for those of you who might need it, here is a trigger warning for you. We do talk about grief, loss, cancer, pregnancy and infant loss. So if these are going to be sensitive topics to you, go ahead and skip this episode and we'll see you next time. Okay, so <laughs> sorry, there's cat butt. I love it. You know, we'll just get going. How are you? I am doing well. How are you? I didn't have a giant orange cat butt in my face. I'm grateful with my, or I'm like happy with my choice to not have pets. Nothing personal. I love other people's pets, but. I love other people's pets too. And usually I love this one, but she's apparently playing the role of her sister and being the stage nine clinger tonight. So. Yay. Yay. <laughs> okay. Well, you get to introduce yourself to, to the people because People listen to me talk. I don't entirely understand why, but uh, you already have friends who want to listen to this episode, <laughs> like at least 90 minutes ago. So like, you got to introduce yourself, my friend. I mean, in fairness, it was closer to like 105 minutes ago because I am chaotic and could not find my AirPods. So <laughs> um, my name is Sam. And I never really know what to, to do with these things. It's sort of like when you take a picture and you're like, what do I do with my hands? Gosh. Uh, I don't know. Tell, tell a little bit about about you as a human and then what we're going to talk about and why that's what you want to talk about. Like you can talk about Got it. Like how we met, all of that. I don't know. Whatever you want. I feel like that's a story for you to tell, but. <laughs> where, gosh. <laughs> my fake roommate. Yeah. <laughs> I was thinking about her the other day and I was wondering how she was doing and then I couldn't find her on social media and I was like, I'm yeah. sorry, what? No, okay, so I'll, so I'll tell the story. So Sam and I met, we met when we were freshmen at Western Oregon University, which is still literally right across the street from where I live. Which much was like also, by the way, like 17 years ago. Yeah, which I don't like that. That makes me feel old. <laughs> Real old. That was. We are. And, you know, I'm okay with that. And actually, that lends itself really well to what we're talking about today. So. It's true. That's very true. We met when we were freshmen. I don't. Like, you. You had a class with one of the girls who lived on my floor who had decided to be, like, my fake roommate, basically, because I didn't have one, which was fabulous. No one bothered me except her. <clears throat> and. She ate all my food and shit, which is impressive since it was a freshman dorm and there wasn't food in it. Um, but, like, you both, you came over with her and, like, I thought you were a couple. And that, you were like, oh, no, I like, I like, I don't know, what did you say? I, like, oh, no, I don't I remember what I said. Time. And I'm sure that, like, <laughs> fast forwarding however long it's been, it was probably, like, you know, at least marginally cringe. So, you know, has to be. But, I mean, that was the beginning of us knowing each other. And then there were numerous excursions to the ocean. Those pictures yes. pop up for me every once in a while of us trying mm -hmm. on those hideous dresses that we thought were super cute. Oh, my cute. God. Yeah. Yeah. Hindsight, right? <laughs> 2020. <laughs> to be fair, they were, like, super fashionable at the time. 
like they were actually we were doing great yeah we were doing real well Mm -hmm. um i think part of us probably knew that in the future it wouldn't be great which is why we didn't purchase them also we were broke college kids so (laughs) correct i'd already spent all the student loans it was the end of the term we had no money it was great yeah which is great because i'm still in a way paying for that so same same so good (laughs) yay (laughs) (laughs) oh my goodness so no you you then left you went to to a different state you didn't get sent home in a black plastic garbage bag met a person in an (laughs) online chat room playing scrabble like the good nerd that she was in the early 2000s mid 2000s i mean that's pretty much the the, like the origin of our friendship yeah and it's been you know a lot of i think we've both lived a lot of life in the last however long and so i'm grateful that we're we're able to have these conversations and do this stuff and still be in each other's orbit right and i think this is the first time i've actually seen your face not in a picture on the interwebs since probably like 2008 my wedding maybe you and your mom came to my wedding though yeah okay yeah That tracks. Yeah. <laughs> like Likewise. Although it's funny, like, I don't know. It's probably just because we haven't seen each other in a while. But, like, you came on the screen and I was like, oh, my God, you look like your mom. Like, it was so funny. I was like, oh, my Lord. <laughs> yeah. So. No, but I see both. Yeah, no, yeah, I see both for sure. But I was like, oh, hello. <laughs> it was it was funny. So yeah. Um where do I want to go next? I mean, I still haven't, I guess, technically introduced myself or like anything about me as a human, which is always a funny thing because it's always like a thing that's changing. I live in Southeast Washington. I work remotely for a corporate daddy. And that is always varying levels of interesting and exciting and absolute torture. I have a nine-year-old who is very neurospicy and keeps me on my toes and is also one of the funniest people that I have ever met in my entire life. Um... Oh, no. <laughs> oh. So he just had his basketball pictures last weekend and his dad took him and I was late and I got there and his like undershirt was backwards. And I was like, and before I can even say anything, one of his friends, moms, who I'm also friends with came over and she's like, girl, I tried to get him to turn it around and he wouldn't. And I was like, so I don't know what other kind of like Tom fuckery we're going to get with this photo, but I'm very much looking forward to it. And it will absolutely be on social media. Because this kid at this point has a reputation to live up to. And far be it for me to let down the masses. So. <sighs> yeah, he is, he is something else. I feel like my friends should know who are waiting to listen to this that Lily is a cat. Yeah.
<laughs> oh, nothing like some face swats. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then I took forever because I took forever because I have the executive function of a French fry. And so it just took a long time for me to like get my thoughts organized and get my life organized, which I use all those terms very loosely because none of those things are organized even now, but I just finally figured out how to like get a spot on your calendar. So here we are. Excellent. Excellent. But yeah, I did pick today's topic in line with my relentlessly sunny disposition. I was like, let's talk about grief. It's a subject that has like, I feel like calling it near and dear to my heart is a little sunnier than what I mean, but it's a thing that's become really important to me and something I, that it's become important to me to cast some light on. So my first kind of run in with grief and loss, well, when I was young, when I was four, my grandfather died and, you know, 10 years later, my great grandmother died and I got to have her in my life for 15 years. And I'm really, really lucky for that. But the thing that kind of taught me, I think, what I know about grief and loss and kind of how that becomes a part of life was in 2019, my mom was diagnosed with stage four lung cancer and she died six weeks later. And it was a lot. It was a lot. There's a lot of moving parts. And especially when like, you know, there's not just one person. I have a brother who's two years younger than me, obviously. My dad and my mom were still married when she was sick. And so, you know, everybody experiences even just that like initial shock of the news, like very differently, like immediately for me, it was, you know, how much time do we have? Because I know it's not long and it wasn't long. And it was a, it was a really rough six weeks. And I learned a lot about life and about people and about myself. And it, Never in a million years is it like a thing that I would want to go through again. And I also think like you don't get to choose those experiences. And so for me, I've decided that I am grateful for what I've learned, even though I would trade all of those things in a second to have any more time with my mom. And, you know, I'm grateful that I'm a person who can't seem to shut up. And so I will just keep talking about the things that are important to me and especially things like, you know, like grief, because it's, it's such an individual experience and it's such like a common thing. Like everybody loses somebody or something or experiences grief in some form. And it's amazing how we don't talk about it. I think partly out of like our own guilt and expectations, like I should be further along in this or I shouldn't feel this way, or it's been X amount of time or whatever. Or I think other people sometimes are uncomfortable with it. And so they react in ways that aren't, really like rooted in empathy or like connection, but rather rooted in like, how do I make this person stop sharing this thing? It's making me really uncomfortable. It's it's that uncomfortability. And we don't know, we're not taught how to like handle that. It's just like, Oh, Oh, you just push this away. Pretend it's not there. Yeah. And it's, it's funny because, you know, some of the, the responses that I got when I was telling people, obviously like I let my team at work know at the time, because it was going to really affect my ability to even be present, much less actually do my job. And, you know, just kind of over the course of telling people and just trying to like find support and do these things that needed to be done, you know, for my mom. um, 
you know, a lot of people ask, was she a smoker? And I just, you know, like, yes, she was. And I've come to understand questions like that to mean, like, I need to know that this won't happen to me. And so did she smoke? Because if she smoked and it's yes, then I'm safe because I don't smoke and that's not going to happen to me. I think it's a way that we all kind of reassure ourselves, you know, even though everything in the universe is just chaotic and yeah, you can't, you can't control that stuff. You can, you know, mitigate or you can make other choices, but at the end of the day, like nothing's a guarantee. No. And you could do everything quote unquote the right way and still have something super shitty pop up out of nowhere and be like, mm, bye. Yep. That's you, you can't, you can't prevent any of it really. No, Control you can't. An and illusion. It really, it really is. It really is. And I think, you know, I had some moments, you know, while my mom was sick, I have a really large extended family. Like I have a lot of cousins. My parents have a lot of siblings and cousins. Like there's just a lot of us. And so, you know, I was talking to my cousin Katie and I'm just going to name her because she handled this so well, but we were on the phone and she said, you know, it, it's going to be okay. And I absolutely fucking lost it. I was like, it's not going to be okay. This is never going to be okay. And I wish you would stop fucking saying that to me, you know, and I am so grateful that she approached that with such grace because obviously like a more evolved or like less emotional version of me would never have said that. But the reason I tell that story is because later on our family experienced another loss and um, I don't think there's a suffering Olympics, but I would argue that it was more tragic than losing my mom at her age. And she actually told me later, she was like, I'm so glad you said that to me because I didn't realize how like invalidating and unsupportive it is to hear somebody say, it's all going to be fine. Everything's going to be fine when everything's completely fucked. And so, you know, obviously I had actually forgotten about that conversation because I told my therapist then that this follow-up conversation happened. She's like, yeah, I remember that as clear as day. You told me about it at the time. <laughs> Man, so our therapist, really funny they write it all down and then they bring it back later. You're like, oh, cool. Cause I was in my like trauma brain moment. Thank you for tracking. Yeah. That. And like, I never know, like Rebecca comes for me and that's why she's my therapist. Like she doesn't let me get away with anything. So it's pretty great. But it, you know, in it, it's in those types of conversations and moments where I'm like, somebody needs to say that's not an okay thing to say to someone who's like in the midst, like of anticipatory grief and who is going to be experiencing a profound right. and sad loss. And like also no helpful sentence in the history of ever has ever started with at least. Yeah, I got that, that all the time. So true. <laughs> at least it happened quickly. I'm like, I don't even know what to say to that. You know, yeah. at least she was at home. And I'm just like, I, yes. I mean, I think there's things to be grateful for. I'll always be grateful that like, for example, my mom died at home. That is what she wanted. And that's why that was important to us, you know? So she, she died at home and I am grateful for that. Am I grateful that it happened that fast? No, I think that's such a weird thing to say to somebody. I think, I think when we try to like silver line other people's suffering, it's really about managing again, our own discomfort. And instead of just being like, yeah, you know what? It sucks. And I'm going to sit here and this is terrible and I'll be with you and we'll figure it out instead of, you know, well, at least this, or at least that. And I'm like, Oh my God, why don't you just write it down and shove, like put on a piece of paper and shove it up your own ass. Like, I don't want to hear it because it is, it is really unhelpful. You said some of that to people during your grieving process. Did you? Cause that's a very good thing. Yes. I, I don't necessarily, 
know that there's a right way and a wrong way to grieve, but I will tell you, I did not do it gracefully. And I don't know if some of that is just a function of being like just a highly sensitive person or, you know, just kind of the way that grief affects a person. Like, I mean, you just do and and say and like. Right. Well, and, you know, thinking, thinking back to when we spend a significant amount of time together, you have never in the history of, you know, ever been the person to mince words or I love you, but tact sometimes is not, is not what we're going for. You're like, no, it's like this. Let's just say it. It's fine. I can't like, I, you know, I thought of something the other day and I was like, oh, I got to remember the story. I can't. It's gone. <laughs> I, what I'll say in my own defense is that I certainly can be tactful. Absolutely. I'm actually, can. I actually am very good at being tactful and diplomatic, but when I've decided that that's not the approach that I'm taking, then that's just not the approach that I'm taking. Exactly. And I think exactly what I've, what I've learned is sometimes you can sort of bury your message if you're too tactful or you're too wordy or you're too like around the bush and then like things don't land or like the point isn't made. And so, you know, especially with some wisdom over the course of life, I think I've gotten more tactful and more diplomatic. And I've also, I think become just a lot less afraid of saying like, Hey, that's super fucked up. Don't say that to me. Don't say that to anybody. Yeah. Cause that's terrible. Like, <laughs> yeah, I love that. So I love that. I hate that. All Like I hate all the things that we've all had to go through to get to those points for ourselves, oh, yeah. you know, you know, same. And then I also feel like you always know when you have met someone who hasn't gone through those really like transformative experiences yeah you know, and mm-hmm. again, while I wouldn't have picked some of the things that have happened in my life, I think, I don't think there is like any sort of inherent meaning. I think we tell ourselves there is because it makes us feel better. Part of how I make peace with, I guess, you know, for like example, my mom dying is I do try to figure out what I'm grateful for. And I try to constantly just like hold like the tension of like the duality of everything like you know I'm grateful for what I learned and I would I would seriously give every fucking thing back to have to just get like an hour more with my mom you know and so I think very rarely is it just one thing like yeah you know oh I'm just sad or I'm just even grief isn't just one thing like yeah I'm not just sad I'm not just sad for me I'm sad you know for my son he was four when my mom died and they were like thick as thieves like she was his person you know, and, you know, I also am mad at my mom that we didn't get to have a lot of conversations. My mom didn't want to have them. And that's fine. Like, that's, you know, her, her right, you know, to determine that that's not a conversation that she wants to have. And, you know, it's, it's a lot of things. And I've also found that, you know, as life wears on, and, you know, life changes. There's a lot of opportunities for grief to kind of come back up as you sort of realize that they're never going to be there for these things. Like my niece is 18 months old. She looks like my mom, like especially her baby pictures. It's honestly weird, but like she'll never meet my mom, you know? And that makes me really sad. I have the most like magnificent boyfriend on the planet and my mom will never meet him. Like, and he'll never get to meet her, you know, like my mom, was a lot of things but she was honestly pretty cool all the time and she was pretty funny 
And I see a lot of her in both me and my brother, even though we have very different personalities, you know, like the kids that she raised, like there's, we both got very different parts of her. And so, you know, I, I do get sad. I get sad that, you know, she won't be here for my son's first competitive baseball season. Like it, it's just all of that right. stuff, you know, that when you kind of realize, or it can be, you know, I'll be in the grocery store and I'll see the yeast that she used to use when she made cinnamon rolls and I'll start crying, you know, or like yeah. the, I love my mom. Oh my God. Mother's day is like the worst time of year for me to go uh, to the grocery store. Yeah. I'm like, fuck it. Yeah. I'm getting it delivered. I'm not doing this. <laughs> yeah. Nope. Nope. Don't leave the house. You don't have to. Mm-mm. Well, it's, it's nope. like, I know like for me after going through significant losses, I've, I've looked back and gone, wow, oh, look at all these bullshitty things I said when I didn't know better. When I thought I was like, because, you know, you think until you know you don't know. You don't know what you don't know. And then you're like, oh, my God. I cannot believe someone said, oh, shit, I said that to someone. I am so sorry. That was me. I'm that person. (laughs) (laughs) Me too. Oh, Oh, man. man. But it's like you... You learn so much in ways you don't expect from grief, I feel like. Like, what what do you think is the thing that sticks with you the most that you learned? I think there's, I think there's two things that are, like, equally important to me. I think it's that grief is, like, I can sit here and talk all day about my experience with grief and what I've learned. And my brother will probably tell you some of the same things and some of the, some different things. And my dad might tell you an entirely different set of things because that was his wife and not his mom. And my mom's siblings or my cousins might say another thing. And so grief is like grief and how you experience a loss and like the ways that it affects you are all as unique as like that individual relationship. And I think it can sometimes get like, I think sometimes you expect it to be like universal, you know, or like, you're like, Oh yeah, yeah my mom died too, but you might experience it completely differently. Your relationship and, you know, with I your think... mom is going to be different than somebody else's. Your relationship yep. with your mom compared to your brother is different, you know? Yep. Yeah. Cause my brother and I are very, like, we're just, we're very different. We have very different personalities. He's, you know, one of the most important people to me in my life. And, you know, we grew up in the same house and, we will retell our childhoods very differently sometimes. And so I think, I think keeping in mind that even when one person dies like that, that experience is not universal. That is a very, it is always a very individual thing. And I think the other thing that I have learned is that people still feel like very ashamed about their own grief. And, and what I mean by that is like, they feel like I should, you know, I shouldn't be feeling this. It's been a year. I should be over this. I shouldn't still be crying in a grocery store. I shouldn't, you know, whatever. Like people have all these unrealistic expectations of themselves. And I don't think that's fair. And I think we end up suffering alone a lot of the time. And I I don't think that though, that shame is like, uh, it was always unfounded. Like I think a lot of times people have experienced comments or things that people have said to them like, oh, didn't your mom die like a year ago? Didn't your mom die like four years ago? You know? Kind of like, so I'd be over it by now. Why aren't you kind of attitude? Right, exactly. And, And I think sometimes it's just, it comes down to a lack of empathy, but also I have several friends who are my age who have experienced loss to their mother, even 
in the last four years, in the last two years. So it's, it's always like, makes me a little bit like, just frustrated at kind of like the broader culture that people feel like, oh, I can't talk about my mom or I can't do this. And it's like, I tell, always tell me like I, that stuff does not make me uncomfortable at all. Like I have like so many friends and people in my life who I adore have experienced losses of people that I've never met. I never met McKenna or Stella or grandpa Ron and grandma Myrtle, or, you know what I mean? Like all of these people, but I feel like I know them because their right. moms and sisters stories. Yes. And I love that because I never want people to think, well, people aren't going to think I'm over it. If I talk about my daughter that died or people aren't going to think that I'm over it. You know what? Fuck what people think. You don't have to be over it. I think if you feel like if you truly for you feel like the grief process isn't going the way that you want it to, you know, there's groups, you can go to therapy, you can talk to your friends, you can check with your friends like, hey, do you think I'm that this is like, maybe become more than just grief, right? Like I know that it's hard because I don't like to pathologize it as somebody like literally I got to my boyfriend's apartment last night and I was crying about my mom. You know, my mom died four and a half years ago. And, you know, I don't like to pathologize people feeling sad about something that's fucking sad. Like, of course I'm sad about it. It doesn't really matter why, you know, but I think it's also important that like we figure out how, I mean, we always want to carry that loss with us. And I think how we do that, is to varying extents our choice, right? And so, but I always love hearing about the people that my that my people have lost in their lives. You know, I love, you know, hearing those stories and seeing those pictures and it doesn't make me uncomfortable. And I think the fact that it makes people uncomfortable at all really speaks more to the bullshit culture than it does to whether or not someone is grieving well or correctly, you know, for Absolutely. lack of a better well, term. And I always think that hearing somebody talk about their people, it's learning more about them. Yeah. Like you find out more about somebody when you hear or meet the people that matter to them. You know, you hear the yeah. stories, you're like, oh, okay, well, that's super weird. And that tracks with this thing I knew about you like forever ago. And I didn't know why. You know, but yeah. I, I had a friend, a really close friend pass away eight years ago, eight years ago this summer. And they're small human to this day. We talk about, we talk about him, like Pino stories and like anytime there's like mannerism stuff, we're like, that is your dad. Whole hundred <laughs> percent. And it's like, there like it is. sometimes I'm like. There's, that's, that is genetic, sir. That is genetic. That weird little, that weird little head flip is, that's, that's your dad. But, you know, it's, it's a way of keeping the memory of that person alive. And also, like, they get to be an active part of life, even though they're not physically there to experience it, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's so important, especially, like, I will tell you, like, just as an, a side note, like having a child that you are trying to kind of shepherd through who is also kind of dragging you through grief is a real bitch. <laughs> you know, I remember, like I said, my son was four, well, four, about four and a half when my mom died. And I had to try to explain cremation to a four-year-old 
And I, yeah. our philosophy, our approach was the whole time, if he's old enough to ask a question and he's old enough to get an age-appropriate answer, we did not shield him from anything. He saw my yeah, mom. for sure. You know, when she was sick, he saw her body after she died. You know, we explained the whole process. Like, and I do not have any regrets about that because I think the way that we it. did it, it normalizes it and it helped it make some kind of whatever sense it could in his four and a half year old yeah. brain. Oh, we sure. still talk about it when he asks questions. Um, but you know, there would be times even a year or two after where he, we would be having a completely different conversation. All of a sudden he would ask me about my mom and he would just sense like this change in my voice. And he's like, why are you sad? And I'm like, I'm sad because I miss my mom and we weren't talking about her, you know? Like, yeah, you're like, like, I was not emotionally there, but thank you. No, but now I am. So thanks. Um, (laughs) but you know, also, you know, there's still times where like, I'll be, I'll be sad about it. And I don't, you know, I'm big on crying in front of my son and trying to help him understand that feelings are normal and people cry and it's not anything to be uncomfortable by. And he'll sometimes say things like, well, mom, Gubby, remember Gubby's in our hearts. He called my mom Gubby. I have no idea where that came from. But so he'll say really sweet stuff like that. And it is nice to, you know, have those like gentler moments of, you know, being yeah, kind of in, in relationship and grief. With a spiked baseball yeah. Hat. Yeah. Hmm. yeah. I said something one time. I think I, I'm because I'm a child. I made that, like I said, your mom to him one time. <laughs> like he said, he said something. I said your mom, and he goes, "Well, your mom's dead." And I was like, "Damn!" Oh, wow. Well. Yeah, but oh. I actually laughed because I'm a terrible person. <laughs> you're no, you're not a terrible person. You are teaching him comic timing, and mm-hmm. like that is an appropriate response. I mean, it's a shitty response, but also contextually, he's not wrong. He's not wrong. And also, I do appreciate, I definitely use a lot of humor to cope with with my mom's illness and death. And that's something that was really great for my brother and I, because I don't, I don't know how we would have made it. Otherwise, I've also learned that is not something everyone appreciates. No. No. I had a discussion with one of my cousins once. She said, is humor, is this, is it denial or is it the ultimate engagement with reality? And I was like, oh. I think it's the ultimate engagement in reality with reality because I mean, like everything's fucked. I can't change it. It may as well be funny. Right. No, it's so true. I, I discovered, I mean, I've always kind of had like a little human people make go, what did, why are you laughing at that? I'm like, it's funny, but it really came out once I started working psych res with mentally ill children. And it's like, you, you gotta cope. The, the dark humor that comes out of like really shitty situations it's like yep nope we're all fucked we just gotta laugh about it yeah absolutely no it's <laughs> I mean it, it, it's again it's another one of the choices that I've made with how I, I deal with this hand that I was dealt in I it's hard because again not everyone really appreciates that so that's something that I've struggled with but I think you find your people and I think you find people who deal with the same fucked up stuff kind of in the way that you do and who are okay with you crying on their couch or eating cheesecake off the platter in their kitchen. You know what I mean? Like you find the people that kind of appreciate you and where you're at and how you deal with things. And I think that was a thing for me that was really maybe transformative for me, like over the course of my mom's illness and death. And then kind of the fallout from that was like the way that people show up for you. And there will be some people that don't. And that's always more about them 
most of the time. And by show up, I don't even mean physically because I have friends, you know, who are not local to me, could not be local to me to help, but would check in or send dinner or send a DoorDash gift card or just say like, I'm thinking about you or here's this funny meme or whatever. You know, I think I have not lost sight of the fact that I have some truly incredible people in my life. And I think, you know, seeing especially my parents be cared for in the way that they were by their community was a really, it was a really important part of it. You know, it was a really important part of the whole process. And I think the thing that I have taken from that and that I have tried to implement, although, like I said, with the executive function of a tater tot, it can be difficult. Um, (laughs) Like I had a friend who was local, who was like, what do you need? And I was like, I don't fucking, I need someone to come here and like literally put food in my mouth because all I can figure out how to do is drink on the kitchen floor after everyone's asleep. And I, but I was like, you know what? There's like six people in this house right now. Can you just please come and take the towels and wash the towels and bring them back? She's like, yeah, leave one folded on the top and I'll fold them that way. And I did. And she did. She just came and didn't, didn't knock, like wasn't expecting to be entertained. Right. She just came, got the shit washed it, folded it and brought it back. And it was like, great. Now I can take a shower, you know, because it's right. Especially when you, it's the person that you're caring for is just so intensely ill. And there's just so much going on. That stuff gets hard. And I know that sounds stupid, but I'm like, please. So like there were times where not at all, you know, but it, it does, it just gets hard to like function as a human. And then like, after my mom died, it was a good two weeks of like, nothing's real. Everything was very just like foggy, hazy, like, yeah, you know, and I think, I'm really lucky in that I had people in my life who were like, Hey, did you eat dinner? Have you eaten in fact today at all? Just like anything, you know? Yeah. Or, you know, that would bring me a milkshake, you know, at work or some peanut butter cups or, you know, just, I think there's a lot of ways to show people that you care for them. And I think especially when you're in a situation where like, you're just blindsided and you're just like in the spin cycle, Absolutely. like it's so nice to have people just honestly forcefully be like, I, I'm going to care for you in this way. I am bringing, right. Because you I don't doing have this. the ability to see anything coming or go. You don't know way which, which way is up or down, like none of that. So having, no, no, having that community is huge. When, when I yes. kicked my ex-husband out, the first time it was a whole process like that day my friends like my friends that whole week my friends showed up like I had one friend show up that same day came over she's like here's the baby (laughs) I'm gonna clean your kitchen and your bathroom and then her husband got to the house when he was off work he's like I'm cleaning out the litter boxes and taking out the trash make sure you're fed cool we got pizza like put you to literally put me to bed and then another friend came over the neck like I was not alone for that whole like first week but it's like it's the people in your life who show up without without that expectation you know what I mean like they showed up they're like why are you getting up sit in the chair, hold the baby. Do you need wine? Do you need knitting? What yes. do you need? I'm going to bring, I yeah. don't care if you want wine. I'm bringing you this giant glass that I brought for my house. So you don't even have to worry about cleaning it. Like, yes. And I brought know. four kinds of pizza. Cause I wasn't sure what you wanted. Exactly. Yeah. And yeah. you know, just that kind of thing, like having that community is, is huge and absolutely not equating my 
kicking my husband out to your mom dying because those are very different things but it's it's the the community that shows up for you you know it is and also like I think it would be like I would be remiss to say like we're going to talk about grief and then only talk about death because grief is a lot of things right like grief isn't just my mom died I remember I went to a grief support group here you know after that because I have found peer support over the course of time to be helpful as we know, postpartum depression, recovery, you know, my mom dying. I find that it's a very like, it it helps kind of squash this idea that we're all just, you know, going through it alone. Right. But I, there was somebody there like that, you know, you see a whole bunch of different people there. There was, there were people there who had lost children, grandparents, whatever spouses. And there was a girl there who like was talking about how her grandma had died like six months ago and then went on to was like, talking about like how her cat died and that was just like the thing that pushed her over the edge and then she was crying and I was like yes. um, I was like, yeah and it's like I, I'll be honest I was a bit of a dick about it I'm like you're really gonna come in here and talk about your cat like these, this girl's sister was just murdered but then I thought you're being an asshole like grief is grief and just because that's not what my loss was and what my experience has been does not mean that this person is not like experiencing grief right like by definition mm-hmm. and it doesn't even have to be a death it could be a divorce. It can be, you know, having to move. It could be losing a job. It can be all kinds of things. And I think people can get a little territorial about grief and be like, oh, it's only about death. And it's only, you know, if this person was close enough to you, do you get to say that you experienced I Fuck that. Like, you don't get to decide someone else's emotional experience. Like, I think grief is a perfectly valid thing to experience at all different kinds of loss. You know, it's not about death. It's about sure. loss. I mean, so it's, that, it's, you know, it, I was telling somebody the other day, I was like, oh my gosh, one of like, I've had family members pass away. I was really close to them and that was really hard. And my first cat dying, like wrecked me. And they're like, but it was a cat. And I'm like, I understand that it was a cat, but that was my baby cat. And you don't have to understand my grief to acknowledge it. But... You know, it's, I think it's also like to be honest too, like what it's supposed to be. Absolutely, and also if you don't know what to say, like keeping your fucking mouth shut is free. Like it literally costs nothing. Like if you can't find yes, it within you to at true. least just not be dismissive, just don't. Just give them a hug and walk away, or just be like, "Man, that sucks." Like really, you would not believe the power that a sentence like that has. It, it's better if you mean it and you're like, you know, like the person who has experienced grief in me sees and honors the person in you who is experiencing grief. Right. But if you can't find that, just be like, God, that sounds really hard. That really sucks. And I'm sorry. And then it doesn't the have to be away. more than that. Yeah. Take no. all the rest of the dumb shit you were about <laughs> to say and just scoot on down the road. Get with you over there. <laughs> yeah. Don't talk do. to please anybody don't to else because I will... for the next hour. Yeah. Or say it to me and I'll tell you that you are not a person that should speak. Um, <laughs> so, you know, yeah, grief is grief is not just about death. It, it's about loss and loss can be a lot of different things. And it is very heavily dependent upon the person who's experiencing the loss and their emotional experience around that. So, you know, I'm not going to get gatekeepy and weird and tell someone they're not experiencing grief. It's not my decision. Yeah. Grief's a bitch. It shows up in different ways for different people. It is. And you know, it was funny because I, I, this is a little bit of like a bird walk, but I've been seeing this lately, a lot people posting like their kids as they're growing up and they're this, this saying, like, time is a thief, time is a thief. 
and it's never really like sat very well with me. And I was thinking about why that is right. And it's because time is the fucking gift. Like, yes, yes, it's, it's hard to like, there, there's a certain feeling that goes along with like watching your kid grow up and like seeing that progression over time or, but time isn't the thief. Like I know so many people who have buried children, two year olds. Time is not the thief. Death is the thief. Time is the gift. Time is the thing that we all want more of. We have no control over how much we get, really. Not at all. And, and that, oh, yes, that makes me mad if I think about it for too long. And I get it. I, I, I Again, I don't, and I'm not saying, I, I almost felt bad saying it because, but I've seen, like, I've seen it Jokes. over the last couple of years, like a hundred times. And it, it's always just kind of like landed wrong with me. And, and I just was thinking about that really recently. It, it, time is not the thief. Time is... I mean, if you ask somebody like what you want more of, it's always more time. It's, yeah, you know, time it's isn't taking anything time. from you. Yeah. No, no, it's, it's not. I, I and, know after, after my grandpa died, you know, my grandma, my grandma was like, I had 26 years with him and I would give anything for another day. Yep. But I'm so thankful for the time that I did get, you know, like, yeah. It was never, it was never, I wish we'd had less time. That's never what anybody says. It's never less time. It's always yeah. more. Yeah. Yeah. And t I don't know. It, it's funny because I, I do get it again. You know, I've, I see that a lot with my kid who's nine and he's just, he has grown up a lot lately and, and I love it. And I think part of that, part of my bias there is I've never been that mom that's like, oh, slow down. I'm like, please, Jesus, like a little faster. And I don't want to wish away time, but like. <laughs> You know, like Some specifically with my kids, like we're in, we're we're in a season right now too, and so I'm like, everyone's like, "Oh, slow down!" I'm like, "No, thank you." <laughs> you no, know, but I think like, if we could you know, sprint I also, this, we would. We would, and I also know that about me, like I have a propensity to get stuck in sort of the periphery and not always acknowledge, you know, the good things that are happening in front of me, and that's something that I, you know, have to work on. And grief has taught me that almost nothing in life is but like, oh, you know, I'm really grateful, but, or I'm really sad, but it's all, everything is and, like I'm grateful yes. and I'm sad and I'm hopeful and I'm experiencing grief about more, you know, than just my mom and it's, it's never but. And I think people want to just be like, yeah. this is my feeling all in a nice little package. And like, my feelings look like somebody threw like a like Molotov cocktail in the middle of like a dump and it just like blew up every like I just have feelings <laughs> everywhere all the time and I've That's like an worked really visual. hard to make I love that I mean, most of them are trash. That's that's the trick, right? Is figuring out what you listen to and like what's good information and what I'm like. Mm, I don't. I don't think we're gonna stick the fork in the toaster. No, just that to see what happens. Too much. I think we should do a podcast where we just live stream our intrusive thoughts for like an hour. I've actually thought about doing that. <laughs> that would be so, we'd probably end up on the news, but it would be fun. I have a it friend who would join amazing. us too, at least one. Oh my gosh. Mm -hmm. we absolutely yeah. should. Oh. Yeah. You know, so, I mean, again, like I, I'm all feelings all the time, all over the place. And I try to honor, honor that. And also no, not always let the, the unwise ones make choices. You know, but. also acknowledging that you are actively choosing to feel those things when there are other options that you could be choosing instead, 
you know sometimes grief does that i mean i did that's how i got through early grief honestly i drank a lot and i'm two and a half years sober now that's awesome and i thank you it's also like i look back i i actually have gotten to a place where i'm able to look back on most of that period of time with some tenderness and some grace because i was just trying to fucking survive right like nobody prepares you for like smashing up a xanax between two spoons and making it into a paste and like squirting it down your mom's throat like nobody tells you how to do that and nobody like tells you how to prepare for that and so you know, I wish at the time I had made better choices and I also, I did what I could to get through it. And I'm better now, you know, like I've more integrated that loss and I'm more okay with those feelings just kind of coming up and, you know, I don't need to, you know, squish them down. And as much as I don't like them, I like, I hate crying and I God, I cry a lot for someone who hates crying, but it is still better than not feeling the feelings. Right. So yes, absolutely. um, That's it's, it's the best path forward. And Again, I'm not I'm not a therapist or anything like that, but I think that's where I see, like I see a lot of people get stuck in grief as they're like, I shouldn't be feeling this. I'm ju- I just need to squish it down. I can't talk about it. I don't want people to think that I'm still sad. And it's like you are always going to be sad, and that's okay. The sad right. can't drive forever, but the sad's always going to be in the car. I mean, it's as long exactly. as you're alive and that person is not there, and time wears on and new things happen. And you are a sentient person who has feelings like that. It's always going to be yeah. there. Yeah, they and I will think the always more, be there. Yeah, that's you're not wrong. You know, and I think the more that we get used to it, and that, that that's why I, you know, yell about grief and mental health and all of this stuff all the time, is because it it is hard also to like make that choice to like be open and vulnerable when a lot of people are like, oh my god, I can't believe you're still talking about this. You know. So I want to make a culture where it is more acceptable for people to do that. And she's like, you know what? I'm having a moment where I saw, like, I love my mom on a Honey Nut Cheerios box. And now I'm crying for five minutes. It's fine. It doesn't mean I'm not over it. It doesn't mean that I've, like, my life is over and that I don't do anything except sit around and be sad about my mom. You know, it's, I think, making that space for people to just feel feelings about whatever in a healthy way instead of expecting people to always behave a certain way or us deciding the timeline for someone else, I think makes everything harder. And I'm not a big fan of that. Yeah, no forced timelines. It's like, who, who decided that, you know, a year is long enough or a month is long enough or any time is arbitrary. It's all a social construct like capitalism and everything else. Like we make all of this shit up. So life makes sense. It's like, this makes no sense. We're here doing it anyways. It's going to be fine. Let me do it in my way. Yeah, exactly. No, I mean, everything is really made up. It's really funny. And well, I'm sure we'll talk about this another time, but especially since I have been doing ketamine infusions for my mental health, I found myself increasingly frustrated by like, I saw this meme once and it was like, you know, we live in this world with beautiful lakes and mountains and streams and I have to go to work and have like a credit score. And that just really resonates with me, (laughs) especially the more (laughs) that I've been doing that and just, oh my God, it's so frustrating. So, but yes, everything is made up and it's like, the last thing we need to do is just make everybody's journey harder. Like, yeah. Why? There is no point. And it literally doesn't affect you. You know what I mean? Like, okay. Random person who I see, like who might like maybe saw a comment on my Facebook or something like, Oh, you don't like the way that I'm grieving. I didn't ask you like, and I think some of it is to just 
people need to feel, I don't want to say like more entitled to or like more confident in like their own emotional experience, but it's like, I didn't ask for your opinion. You didn't ask for their opinion. Like you have your feelings, just go with it, you know? Yeah, it's like you you did not have to stop here. Uh, Thank you. Please continue on. You know, during during COVID, one of my, like the height of COVID, one of my favorite pastimes became how many of the guys my mom went to high school with can I piss off today? It was... Oh, my God. Amazing. Until I was like... Honestly? It's not worth it. Bye. But, oh, I needed something to entertain myself in those early days. The dopamine hit of disappointing a man on the internet is honestly unmatched. I know. It's amazing. It it really is. Fragile masculinity, I'm coming for you. Oh, my God. Yeah, that's the whole goal. I think it's really interesting, and I'm obviously not going to, I'm not going to get into, like, any detail on anyone else's experience, but I've always been very fascinated in, like, a really zoomed out way with, like, the way that, like, my brother and my dad experienced the loss of my mom and just kind of, like... I think especially like, you know, people would see like my dad cry, like his wife of over 40 years had just died and people would see him cry. And it's like when men cry, people are like, oh God. Right. They stop like, like, oh my God, what do I do? Like say a man is crying. Awkward. Then Ah, pat them on the back or just walk the fuck away. Like. I know. I like it was a lot of like the scene from like Thirty Rock where he's like patting her with the broom and he's like, "There, there, lemon," from like a distance, right? And she's like hunched <laughs> over the toilet. And there, oh. it's just people are very, people are uncomfortable with grief, but they're especially uncomfortable with men experiencing like actual yes. like grief and sadness, you know, openly. And that is it. It is really, really sad to me because I think it prevents a lot of men or masculine identifying folks from seeking support that they need, and because you know that it has to be a certain way and. I see that changing and it may just be, you know, kind of how like the men, I guess that I am in close proximity to at this point in my life in the way that they handle things. I just don't have a lot of tolerance for people that are like, don't be a baby. Why are you crying? I'm like, I don't crying is like a normal, like science says it's good for you. Stop it. Like I will. Right? It's like, who hurt you? Do you want to talk about it? Probably their dad. Cause I don't. Yeah. Right. Yeah, exactly. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. No, so we could do a whole episode that, on the fun poking at toxic masculinity. We should make a list. I do actually have I a mean, list of things that we're going to talk about over time. Get excited. You do? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You've got like half a page. Yeah, I do because I was crowdsourcing on Facebook. But so actually, you know, I posted earlier, I said T minus 90 minutes until I get to be on the podcast to talk with you. And so <laughs> one oh, of my friends comment? just posted. Yeah, she said, will you be talking about what not to say to someone grieving? Because, man, the things we heard. I don't want to give away any piece of this person's grief journey because that's not the thing for me to share. I will just say some things that I've heard from different people, whether it's my grief journey or anything else. And also, like, even if these things are true, like when my, my grandmother died, gosh, is it two years ago already? It is almost two years ago this month in fact a lot we got a lot of like oh well at least she lived a nice long life okay yeah that's true she was like 90 that's also and, not helpful yeah. um yeah exactly and kindly don't say that to me again please I shut think, the fuck up yeah or you know people who exp- i have several friends that have experienced pregnancy or infant loss a lot of like 
Well, at least you know you can get pregnant. Yeah. Okay. I can't also just replace a baby. Like, what kind of nonsense is going through your mind right now? So I think there's a lot of that stuff. Like, a lot of just that, like, toxic positivity. And I would say, you know, a good rule of thumb is, are you saying this to comfort the other person and, like, display empathy? Are you saying it so that they'll stop being sad and then you will feel more comfortable? Because if it's the latter, then just don't say it. But, you know, a lot of that... Well, at least it was quickly, or at least it was at home, or, well, I know someone whose mom died this way or at this age, so I'm like, yeah, okay, my mom was 59, like, she, she, I want to say should have been a lot older, but that's not the hand we were dealt, so it's, I think there's a lot of things not to say, like, it's honestly, like, I can imagine, too, like, I'm sure that when you got divorced, I'm sure people said all kinds of dumb shit to you. Like, oh, yeah, I can't imagine. My favorite was um, somebody said to me, well, I'm glad that I made the right choice when I got married. And I'm like, what the fuck? Shut up. No, I swear to God. I swear to oh God. My it wasn't God. even an old person. Wasn't even an old person. I got that. I got, well, at least you're still young enough to get married again. I'm like, thank you. What? Yeah. Thank you. I was not going there yet, but I... Fuck you. People just say such bullshit things. My favorite... Oh, one of my favorites was... Well, how did you not know that's what he was like? I'm like, bitch, you didn't know. (laughs) How, how, How do you know these things? Was I supposed to be a telepath? You know, whatever. But it's like, people say the dumbest shit. Dumbest shit. Yeah. Oh, Oh, at least you weren't married that long. Those are somehow worse than what I... (sighs) Yeah. At least you weren't married that long. Yeah. Wow. Mm -hmm. That is spectacular. Yeah, I was like, because, you know, there's the whole being married part, because you don't just go from you meet somebody to marrying them. Like, there was some additional time in there, you know? But there were some great ones that came up. It's my favorite. Wow. That is... Yeah. That is something. Yeah, so I think maybe what we need to do is just do an entire podcast of, like, how to not respond to people's unfortunate or weird life-changing events like an asshole. Oh, my gosh. That would be amazing. We'll, like, we'll crowdsource what they, what they you know, they're like, well, what do you think people should not say? Oh, we'll come up with a list. It'll be great. We should absolutely do this. I'm excited. Uh, yeah, it's a lot of that, like that like positive vibes only thing you know i'm like i don't know the vibes are in shambles just be honest like bring the authentic i'm about the authentic vibes not the positive vibes like if i if i have good vibes at the spoons to send them i will send the good vibes your way but you might just get vibes i don't even know what kind but they're just they're coming good luck (laughs) (laughs) yeah they're not covered in cat saliva but i make no promises yeah, I mean, it's it's really interesting. I think grief especially has made me a person who's even more determined to just meet people where they're at, right? Like, 
I don't need you to always be happy. I don't need you to always be good company. I don't need you to always be a certain way. Like I need you to just show up and be you. Like yeah. that's not, I'm not in it for the, the positive vibes or only the good things or like, I just, I resent that. that that's a lot of pressure to just be like, always be hashtag positive. Like I am not. I tried that. that for a little while. <laughs> it was not great. It felt inauthentic Mm-mm. and disingenuous. I'm like, this isn't great. I don't, this isn't, this isn't working for me. Going back to just, you know, existing. This is bad. Yes. Yeah, I, you know, I think there's always, like, you know, things you can do, I guess. Like, a thing that I know is really good for me that I don't do consistently is, like, a gratitude practice. And by that, mm-hmm. I mean just, like, literally every night before bed, writing down three things I'm grateful for. Every night, I, like, turn off the light, and I lay down, and I roll over. And I'm like, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> so I try to at least think of it, you know? Because yeah. it is, like, really – for me, it's really beneficial. And there's some science behind the benefits, long-term benefits of, like, a consistent gratitude practice. And But, you know, I don't – I think we're allowed to speak honestly just about shitty things that we've been through or that have happened to us. And I don't think that makes us negative. And I think there's a lot of no. pressure to, like, move on from the sad things and move on from the well, negative things. And it's, like – There's the pressure of appearance, you know, like mm-hmm. – For me growing up, there was a lot of emphasis on how things appeared. You have to to dress a certain way, or you have to talk a certain way, or you have to go certain places, or, and you know, this was like, I experienced that through friends and, and, and all sorts of things. And, and it's, it's that expectation of, you can't show people what's really, it's like, oh, it's like, You were a boy mom, and I don't know if you are familiar with Frozen, but I've had to watch a lot of Frozen, and it's like, conceal, don't feel. It's very much how that feels for me right now. But it's that that idea of like, no, people don't need to see or hear what you actually feel or what you're going through. Just pretend you're fine. Yes, and... The motivation behind that has always been a little, like, suspicious to me. Is it like, well, am I pretending I'm fine for me or am I pretending I'm fine for you? Yes. Like. Because those are very different things. Like, who's benefiting from this act, this, like, charade? Because I find for me, the more, like, obviously it gets really, like, frustrating for people to be around someone who's just always, like, like outwardly negative, I think. And I want to be clear that like being negative is a little bit different from like speaking honestly about shitty situations. Absolutely. Like, very different. I'm very sensitive to like, am I, you know, am I bringing the whole thing down, you know, but also like for me, if I, if like my external experience is like too different from my internal experience, like I have like, that's where my mental health really starts to like actually break down. It's like, you know, I want everyone to think I'm fine and I'm spending all of my energy trying to act fine and come across fine, but like inside I'm not. And I think like, that's something I've really had to work on because I'm very much like a fine person because I don't want I don't like when other people worry about me. It is very, very, very hard. Um, so this shocks me. This shocks you know, me. I'm the same way. Uh-huh, I, yeah, the look on your face tells me that you're very, very stunned <laughs> by this news. So shocked. Which is hilarious because I really have, you know, a few years ago, I sort of had this crisis of, like, 
people view me as being like very open and honest. And I think that I am. And I think sometimes that I, I sort of polish it a little too much. And I'm like, Oh no, this is like, this is the thing I used to struggle with, but like, I'm fine. Like I don't struggle with that anymore. And I realized that that wasn't like accurate and that wasn't true to like what my actual internal experience was. And I kind of for a while just stopped talking about stuff. I mean, especially openly like on social media, you know, um, because I'm really not a person that has it all together. I think I'm a person who's really willing to put their own shit under a microscope and examine my role in my own suffering. And I'm also a person who understands that like some of it is just my brain and the way that it's wired and I can do things to like help that, but I'm not a person that has it all figured out. And that's why I always sort of like, I balk a little bit at the opportunity to do things like discuss grief openly or publicly because I don't (laughs) have it all figured out. And that's the point. Nobody has it all figured out. And so I'm here to tell you, I don't have it figured (laughs) out, but here was my experience. And here's what I went through and here's what I've seen other people go through and here's what's helpful. Or in the case of like what my friend asked, you know, what not to say, like, yeah, don't tell people that ever, oh, it's, everything's going to be fine. Don't say, well, at least, you know, you can get pregnant. Like, don't, you know, yeah, don't just well, like lob and- platitudes at me. <laughs> exactly. Well, you know, that was like when I finally, finally decided to actually do this. Like, I've been talking about starting a podcast for eight, nine years before I actually did it. (laughs) I like to, you know, procrastinate and um, just put things off that freak me out sometimes. It's super healthy. But, you know, when I finally decided to do this, I was like, I'm going to put, people keep telling me this is a good idea. I want to do it. I'm just going to do it. And then if no one listens, it's fine. It's like it never happened. And that's not what happened. Like, people are listening to it. And that's fucking weird to me. Because I do not have my shit together. <laughs> I'm like, I don't have my shit together. My cats knock my shit over most of the time. Uh, my orange <laughs> demon is now sleeping next to me. At the end, towards the end of our conversation. Because that's how cats live their lives. But... You know, the idea of doing a thing when you don't have mastery of it, when you don't know everything, or when you don't have all of the answers, like, it's fucking terrifying. And it if is. we didn't do it, then what the fuck are we actually doing with our lives? Why are we here? Yeah. Well, you know, I have spoken very, very, very openly at length about my experiences with postpartum depression. Yes. And, you know for a good year or so after I really like kind of documented that story, I did a friend's podcast. I did some different stuff. I would have people come up to me in the grocery store whose like youngest kids were in their teens and be like, I thought I was the only one that felt this way. And it's like, that's, that just gets me, you know? Yeah. It's, it's hard. And I'm like, how did you think, how did like, not in a judgmental way, but like how in the hell, Yeah. Would someone spend 15 years like, like, because nobody talks about stuff. Like I'm, I'm not the only one, even though at the time I felt like I can't say that I regret having a baby or that I don't want this baby because people are going to feel this way about me. And it's like, this actually like 
that is a thing that happens in postpartum depression. And it's like, that's not you. It doesn't make you a bad mom or a bad parent. And so, you know, I think that opened my eyes a lot to people really, really think and not in an arrogant way, but because they don't, maybe they don't know anyone that talks about it. They really think they're the only person that feels a way or that they're the only person that experiences a thing or, and that's almost never true. I have not actually found one like emotional experience where I am just so unique and individual that someone cannot genuinely relate to it. And so, you know, I, it might've been Brene Brown said like, you should write from your wounds or your scars, not your wounds. And so it took me a while to be able to really talk about the loss of my mother, especially because I, you know, I got, I didn't, I didn't always handle everything well. And I kind of started and stopped recovery in the years like after that, because I needed to. And it's not a thing that you ever just like figure out. Like it's, it's always a work in progress. I think. Well, it evolves. And it's almost like, like yes, it does. Is never stagnant. It changes as you change. You know, mm-hmm. there's no straight. Yep. Grief is not a straight line with a beginning and an end, at all. None of it is. No, I wish it were. It would be easier. So much um, easier. But you know, I I don't I don't think anybody needs to suffer alone and quietly for any reason, but especially not because they think that their emotional experience is just so different from anyone else's. And so, you know, there's things I have not experienced that I can't talk about, but I've decided that I will talk about the things that I can. And, you know, I hope, I just tell people know that it's not, I don't do it because I have my shit together. I do it because again, I can't shut up and because it's important and because people need, people need to understand it's okay to talk about grief. It's okay to still miss your mom four and a half years later or 10 years later or whatever like all of that stuff is okay you can't live there you can't stay there it doesn't get to drive but it is okay to have them in the car it's okay to go there sometimes like you have to well and and it's people it's people who you know like you and i who just we don't shut up about the things that we care about like even if even if we tried i don't think it would be successful We'd find another way to, no, we'd find other ways to express ourselves. <laughs> yep. But, you know, it's, it, it's, I've, I've always thought about it as I can be loud for people who don't think they can. I'm like, yep. I'll stand up. I'll be the one to stand up at the back of the class and go, that's really stupid. And here's why. Here's my essay mm-hmm. in all seven yep. parts. Because I, I have that, <laughs> that fake confidence or whatever and I'll do it because I know there's somebody else who doesn't have that that sureness or that lack of self-awareness to just sit down and shut up so I'll do it I'll be loud because maybe it helps one person hearing me talk or hearing you talk and that makes the difference you know yeah I think it's important to you know, I've had people reach out and be like, well, I want to talk about it, but I just can't. And it's like, you don't have to. I don't think that there is no moral imperative yeah. to share anything you don't want to share. There's no, 
there is no mandate that you have to alchemize some shitty situation that you went through and turn it into something for someone else. Like if all that happens as a result of this podcast is one person is like, God, I'm so glad I'm not the only person that felt that way, then I am so glad that I talked about it. Yes. That's it. Exactly. That's it. That's it. I'm like, I don't need people to to do anything else. If, If one person listens and they're like, oh, oh, this happened. I'm not the only person who feels this way about this thing. Good. My work is done. I can go, like, sit and be not scratched by a cat and knit forever. Like, that's fine. Yeah. Mission accomplished. And I think if one person now doesn't go to another person facing profound loss and start a sentence with at least, it was double worth it. Yes. Oh, God. Yeah, no. Stop that. Just, just go with, I am so sorry. If you feel like you have to say something, do that. Pat them with a broom from far away if necessary. Uh, choose a soft bristle yes. broom. It's safer. Just try not to be a dick is really... Beneficial. I think... You know, the worst part is I think a lot of people don't, they don't even mean it, right? Like they're, they are, I think they are yes. well-meaning, but I think they're so out of touch with their own emotional experience with the world that it comes out in a way that is unhelpful. I'm not going to say that it's, I don't think, again, we have to like look for the positive intention, especially when you're the one going through this like horrible situation. I don't think you have to be like, oh no, it's fine. They really didn't mean that they were glad that my mom died quickly because yeah, that's also like not like they're putting a lot on me when I'm already doing a lot and going through it a lot. And I'm not going to sit here and tease out, you know, the generosity in my assumptions about you like just don't if you don't have anything to say like it's okay to just not say it um yeah but yeah grief grief is wild and you know again i'm i'm grateful for the things i've learned about myself and about life and i'm grateful to have the opportunity to talk about it i'm grateful in in a very humble and like generally perplexed way that people want to hear what I have to say about grief because I think I've I'm not afraid to say those things right like I'm not afraid to share what my experience was and I'm not afraid to share it's actually really funny you can't see it but there's a picture of my mom like that I have on my computer with with Harlan when he was really little I'll show you oh I love that the listeners won't be able to see this but it's a really cute picture of my son when he was about nine months old with my mom and my mom is so happy I just if forgot that was there. I get. Freeze. Oh. It's frozen. Text well, it to me. I'll show it to you later. Text it to me. Yeah, there you go. I'll take a picture and text it to you. <laughs> but, you know, yeah, it's. I think grief, it, it. I read once that grief is something you live in and then it lives in you. And I think that's really true. And I, I'm grateful, I think, to be in a, yeah. in a place in my life where it's a thing that I get to carry around and not a thing that kind of, you know, drags me around. I miss my mom. I've thought about her every single day since the day that she died. And I will think about her probably every single day for the rest of them. And, you know, I can have these conversations now without breaking down in tears because I feel like I've done, you know, some of the things I need to do with the grief of it because I know that it's, it's not, you know, 
it's not just me. It's not a death sentence. It doesn't mean I'll never feel something else. It doesn't, you know, it just is a part of me in the way that my mom was a part of me and it's never going to go away. And, and I'm really okay with that. And I think people, if anybody takes anything, you know, away from this, it's like that it, the, the grief experience is so normal and is a thing that like people like everybody's going to experience it at some point. Like nobody gets through life unscathed. Right. And I think the more people understand that, like all the things that they feel as a part of grief are okay. And that that whole experience is okay. And that other people feel them. And like, you know, please always tell me about your person and always share those stories. And, and if somebody doesn't like it, then fuck them. Like that person's not for you, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. But in the meantime, you know, I'll be here yelling about grief and recovery and mental health and, whatever until everybody's fine which means i'll probably be doing it for the rest of my life you know i think that if we don't have something that we're yelling about what are we even doing i generally can find something to yell about and you know i find as like my mental health is like increasingly just like consistently stable and you know i've integrated the loss of my mom and you know things still happen but i've also found that like i will find something to yell about and it's probably a situation that i've made up almost entirely in my head yep that's I do that too. It's like is this is this actually a thing? No. Oh, <laughs> fuck. Okay. Oh, I I made that up. Whoops. <laughs> oh. <laughs> right. But like, oh, all right. Yeah, I you know I wish like I was looking back through when I had originally posted like hey guys I'm gonna be on Catherine's podcast and you know someone had suggested like you know surviving grief is like a thing to talk about and if there's any part of grief again that I feel like wildly unqualified to talk about it's actually that part because my mom's diagnosis was terminal from the very, the very beginning people with stage non-small cell stage 4b lung cancer very, rarely live past six months and my mom's was very very advanced and I knew that and I there's that anticipatory grief which they don't tell you like I didn't have the language for it at the time I didn't realize that like being aware that someone's going to die, but hasn't died yet has a name. And I didn't handle that well. I mean, like I said, I was drinking a lot. I, because I didn't know what else to do. I felt like I had to keep everything together and, you know, make sure that, you know, I, I'm really grateful because Harlan's dad was an absolute fucking hero during that entire time. Like I'm grateful that I did not have to actively parent most of the time while all this was happening and that we had, you know, we were very aligned on how we wanted to explain, you know, what was happening in ways that yeah. were very careful and all of that. Like I, I'm very grateful that that was not a thing that I had to do, but I was doing a lot of, you know, just trying to coordinate things and help my dad and help my mom and, you know, keep my brother in the loop. Cause he, you know, is also like working full time and all this stuff. And right. I wish that I had, like emotionally leaned on my support network more than I did because I really was like, no one's going to want to hear me be sad about my mom. And it's like, the reality is it was actually a very sad thing, right? Like my mom was dying and I was 30 and she's 50, she was 59. And so, you know, I think if there's ever a situation in which you should reach out for support, that's probably it. And probably not the time that your friends are going to get upset with you for like yeah. being a wreck emotionally. I wish I had done that more instead of, instead of just like internalizing all of it and just 
feeling the need to just be the one that was okay and is fine and we're just going to get it all done and these are all the things we're going to do because I was very out of touch with my feelings most of that time. So when it comes to surviving grief, I think, you know, especially in that anticipatory like hell where you just know that it's coming and you're watching it and there's nothing you can do is just like lean on your people like and also take care of yourself. And I don't mean that that can certainly be in a like you know, hashtag self-care bath bomb yeah. kind of way. But it's also like, don't just drink two iced coffees for breakfast and then not eat any advice. food until 10 PM. And I think it's okay if you have to ask people to help you do that. I think it's okay if you have to say, even if, you know, like, can you order me a pizza? Can you do this? Can you just come up here and remind me to eat? <laughs> because I can't manage to figure life out at this yeah. point. And so, you know, I think actually the whole surviving grief thing is, is a thing that I, I did it. I don't necessarily love the way that I did it. And I think I have lessons. I have things that I've learned, but I think, you know, relying on your support network is, is one of the biggest ones. And just knowing that like everything you're feeling is normal. Like everything yeah. you're feeling is normal. And because we don't talk, we like, as a, we as a society don't talk about grief and loss, like in any context, we don't know that it's normal because we don't hear other people talking about it. Yep. Yeah. So I'm here to talk about it and I'm here to keep, keep talking about, I know. Right. Thank goodness. But also I hate the internet. Sometimes you were talking about how, you know, dealing with (sighs) internet. Yes. I've actually, this is horrible and I probably shouldn't admit this, but I have stopped watching, reading, or consuming any news. Any news I get comes from people who know me and know what is important to me and they just tell me those things. Like about those things, right? Not just like necessarily like the perspective I agree with, like this is the thing that's happening. And um, it has been so good for my mental health and my anxiety, honestly. Because I find I get so spun up about things I can't control. And like, I know generally like globally what's happening, right? Like I'm not out of touch, but I also find like being so, no, I'm not, but being so plugged into like horrific situations, 24 hours a day, I just will obsess over them. And then it's like, I can't, I can't win. So that's, that's my mental health care life hack actually for the last like two and a half years has been, I don't watch the news. I think that's a solid choice. Yeah. Especially if you are noticing, oh, I feel better without this around. Yes. Yep. My, it's like, oh, it's so funny. It's not even in this room, but I don't want to say it. My Alexa has like, you know, shows the headlines every yeah. now and then and I'm just like nah, nope Alexa turn that off I don't like it you know like <laughs> yeah. I said I'm not I'm not out of touch but I found that's a thing that I've really done done for my speak of surviving you know that's a thing I've done for my mental health and it's been wonderful so um yeah yay what was that face I was trying to just figure out what my phone is doing. Again, I'm constantly overwhelmed by technology. I've reached that age in my life where everything is perplexing to me. That's why I was like, I'm just going to send you a link and you just click it. I'm like, please yes, let it work. Thank please you. let it work. I, you, I do appreciate like, that. Like, I don't. Well, like I was telling you before we started recording, you're the first person that I've done a remote 
like conversation with like this and recorded it so I was like I hope this doesn't fucking suck I mean, I guess we'll find out. It seems to be going okay, like, in the moment, right? Yeah, yeah, no, nothing has stopped working, and no cat butts have appeared for a while, so. Well, you probably just jinxed it. Way to go. <laughs> no, she's zonked out right here next to me, like, zonked out. I can hear her snoring, and I have headphones on. Oh, my gosh. Maybe just because I spend so much time with her, but. Well, Fair. Thank you for chatting with me, Sam. We are definitely yeah. Going to do thanks this again. Thanks for letting me chat with you. I love, I love hollering about things that are important to me. So it's the best things to holler about. True. So with that, the cats and I are gonna go. Thank you for listening to Sam and I talk about grief and how much we like to yell at things. If you have enjoyed listening, please follow us on all of the social medias. You can find us on Instagram and Facebook at Sorry That's My Inside Voice. And you can also find me on the webpage, Sorry That's My Inside Voice.com. Thankfully, there were no cat butts or eyeballs harmed during this episode, but we're really glad you're here. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you all soon. Bye.